Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you haven't heard already, you need to check out adfreeshows.com. We've started making announcements for a brand new schedule starting in November including a ton of new content. First of all, all of our podcasts are going to have video and we're going to splice in some fun stuff. And I'm sure the shows will get better as they go. But a lot of times we have a, well, fairly heated or hilarious interaction. And you guys have said you wanted to see my co-host facials and how they uh, get tickled or fired up, whatever the case may be. It's coming to adfreeshows.com, but a ton of new content too. For instance, one of the things we just announced this past weekend I'm so excited about is our championship belt series. We're going to go talk to the folks who made these belts, who actually originally designed the art, handcrafted them. They're going to explain exactly what that process was like. We'll discuss briefly who ordered it, what we thought it cost to order, how long it would have taken, et cetera, et cetera, the whole manufacturing process. But then you get some beautiful 4K shots of the actual ring used belts after the fact. Of course, in between, we're going to show you all the great memories and moments that happened. You'll see lots of press clippings and magazine covers and promo shots and just the story of those iconic championships. It's all coming to adfreeshows.com. I've also started a show part of my collection, including old boots and robes and things like that and something we're calling the collection. Some fun comedy stuff that I think you're going to dig, including Mansplaining, great friend of the show and independent wrestling superstar, Mance Warner is going to try to explain illogical wrestling to our wives. That's right. Many of us have a wife in our life who is, uh, well, a non-fan. And we're going to have <laughs> Mance Warner try to make sense out of things like Katie Vick or the Chamber of Horrors or the Kennel in a Cell. It's going to be stupid and fun, and it's all happening at adfreeshows.com. Lots of new storytellers coming along the way as well. We're doing a Monday mailbag feature with veterans of the game like jerry briscoe or mike Hill. they were there for the good the bad and the ugly of the world wrestling federation and of course jerry was a wrestler himself and had ownership in florida and georgia and now you get to pick their brain every single week at adfreeshows.com one of my favorite shows i'm looking forward to well it's dr tom's x-ray maybe you have a favorite match but why was it your favorite match we're going to watch those old matches with him and he's going to break it down almost like john gruden did his quarterback camp on ESPN for so many years. Well, this is the wrestling equivalent of that. We've even got a happy hour happening every Sunday night. You either get to chat with Medusa or rebel live on zoom, pick their brain, talk about wrestling, talk about life and have a little fun. Of course, we've got comedians along the way to make sure that we're entertaining you. There's so much great stuff coming your way, including brand new opportunities on how you can win lots of prizes. We're doing fun games like mystery opponent, caption it. 
or name that theme, Parts Unknown, the time limit draw in this quarter, create a gimmick. We're going to be giving away cool prizes every single day over at adfreeshows.com, including once-in-a-lifetime experiences. We're going to line it up where you get a chance. That's right. You get a chance to go to breakfast with Tony and JR and then attend an AEW event in person. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You want to talk about experiences? We've got a Saturday morning cartoon thing coming your way that's going to knock your socks off. We've also got Wrestling Comedy Theater with friend of the show, Cassio Kid. Did I mention we're getting a hotline? Yeah, there's going to be a hotline coming soon. So new columns will be there too. We've even got a cooking show that we're excited to tell you about called the Getting Heat Cooking Show. Of course, you get all of the great Ask series. I think I just finished Ask Conrad Volume 16. You get to pick our brain about literally whatever you want. But the big announcement that's coming soon, it's our conversation series. I don't want to give you a spoiler just yet, but this is what you've been waiting for. It's going to be so much fun. We haven't even announced it all yet. There is so much great stuff happening over at adfreeshows.com. I hope you'll check it out. You get all of our shows and our archives early and ad free, but there's so much new exclusive content. It's worth another look. Go check out our reviews right now. at isadfreeforme.com. We've even been told this is the best value in wrestling. Find out what everybody's talking about at adfreeshows.com. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 3198. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. But of course, we couldn't do it without the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Doing well, sir. How are you? Man, better than I deserve. Happier than a puppy with two Peters. And I am ready to jump into today's episode. It's hashtag Ask Arn Anything. This is, by the way, my favorite show. Uh, you know, I really enjoy going back and revisiting WWE or old school Jim Crockett. But when we get to bounce around and just pick your brain, that's fun for me. We cover so many topics. I'm looking forward to this. And if you want to participate, we're doing this every other week. Hopefully you figured that out by now. We'll be back in two weeks with another hashtag ask Arn anything. Uh, so just go find us on Twitter at the Arn show, drop your question right there. And odds are good. We're going to make it your way. Arn, uh, are you ready to get this party going? You betcha. 
I can't believe that this continues to be a thing. Sam Steele writes in Arn, when you're in the UK, where would you go for burgers or would you settle for something else? We've never talked about burgers in the, in the UK. Do you have a preference over there? Surely not. I don't eat burgers over there. I'll tell you what I do like Nand- fish and shit, fish and chips. Oh, I thought you were going to go Nando's or Nando's or however you say that. That shit's awesome. Yeah. Nando's is good. Those are good for the bus. Yeah. I, w- I order those for the talent. Um, they love the Nando wraps. They're good, you know, cause you got to put some meat in there for these guys. You know, these guys want some meat and a lot of the sandwiches you get overseas must be for some tiny fellas because not nearly enough meat, too much bread, not enough meats, not a happy camper. Does that make Kyle Wilson wants to know, I've heard big show talk about his favorite wrestler growing up being you, Did he ever mentioned that to you while you guys worked together in WCW. Uh, he really did, you know, and, and there was, uh, wow. It was like, I was embarrassed and humbled and flattered and everything you could think of all at once, you know, for, for this giant to be standing there and, you know, telling me that story about when he was outside, uh, trying to get in and didn't have enough money and rode his bicycle down there to the, to the show and how that whole thing came about and. Man, he described me to a T, everything from from the vehicle I was driving to the sunglasses I was wearing to the watch and the pinky ring and you name it. It was had to be true. And uh show is is a good friend and a relationship that has lasted the test of time for me. I'm very proud to call myself a friend of his and if I hope he feels the same way and uh yeah, it was a very humbling experience. Craig wants to know, did you ever get a chance to work with Lance storm in WWE? You and Lance are two of my all-time favorites. And I would be interested to hear if you cross paths and what the, int- uh, the interaction was like. And to my surprise, Lance storm saw the tweet and said, yeah, Arn was my agent many times in both WCW and WWE. What say you Arn? What was it like working with Lance? Oh, I love Lance. He's a, he's a gentleman. He's a polished performer. And, you know, he's a ring general. He's a guy that I could just say, hey, here's uh, your own segment. So-and-so with so-and-so, you got roughly this much time. I'll get back to you later this afternoon. Let me know what you want to do. Now, in my position, do you know how refreshing that was to be able to do that occasionally? Unbelievable. You know, you had a lot of green guys that I was having to really structure beginning to end for them because they just didn't know. Uh, but Lance was one of those guys that, you know, very, very good head for the business, accomplished worker, uh, smooth as silk. And, uh, when, when you can get back to him two hours later and he has a game plan, usually we just went with what he had. And that was uh, a day off for me. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. 
Rajiv wants to know as a performer, did you prefer syndicated shows in studio or live shows on the road? So let's take the word syndicated out, but studio wrestling for TV or working a live house show. Do you have a preference one way or another? No, they were different in the fact that when you go in those studio, you know, matches there early in the morning, they were, and, uh, not being a morning person, uh, it took a little bit to get warmed up and, and cooking at nine 30 in the morning, sometimes in the TBS studios. But when I go back and I look at it, the way the, the company was structured, it was usually, you know, we had uh, opponents that were enhancement talent that were there to, uh, you know, to get us over and then you would roll to that interview desk. And to me, that setting with Tony Giovanni rolling right out of the ring and straight to the interview desk at the peak of, of your emotion and, and all that. And, and then plugging your angle, whether it be the dusty or the road warriors or the rock and roll or Magnum or whoever it was we were working with at the time, that was pure emotion and it was raw and it felt good. And we had enough time to make that fly. Now you go to the syndicated shows or arena shows that had a much bigger audience and they were in the evening. I think you could have more competitive matches that were better for TV. Uh, talent on the same level, top tier talent. And uh, it just it just came across as a whole different animal. The excitement level versus 300 people in a studio versus 7,000 people in arena, there's no comparison, but they were different animals and accomplished different things. All right. Let's give everybody a peek behind the curtain. You and I, uh, because of our different travel schedules, we have, uh, occasionally gotten ahead on the show here. So we would be a few, sometimes several episodes in the can. It's something I don't know that we've spent a lot of time talking about on the air is the road warriors. Shane Hill says you've talked a lot about the road warriors in the ring, but what kind of men were they out of the ring? Any memories you want to share about Mike and Joe, not Hawk and animal. And I gave that little preamble there Arn. of course, as you know, we recently lost one of the all time greats road Warrior animal left us. And we haven't really had a moment to pay homage to him because you and I have, have been ahead. Any memories or stories you want to share about the men behind the character? Yeah, I was kind of, you know, there from the beginning and, uh, I saw the evolution of the road warriors, um, as everyone did. And Paul Ellering was a, was a huge asset because he was a legitimate manager for those guys. You know, he planned their travel, he planned their hotels, he planned their, their rent-a-cars and all the things that they did and probably was a big help in negotiating their contracts and you name it. Uh, Mike Hegstrand from day one, you figured out if Mike liked you, you know, immediately you had a friend and a guy that would pretty much say whatever he thought to whoever he, uh, he intended to say it to. He, he didn't mince words. Joe, I think, was the mediator, and Joe was the calmer, calming effect, not much of a partier, if at all, uh, you know. And uh, him and Paul, I think, would keep 
Mike the best they could on an even keel. But, uh, the main thing is those guys were a huge attraction and, you know, road warrior pop is a very real thing. It's a, a reaction coming through the curtain that's at a different level. And I think it's a badge of courage that those guys have taken, you know, on their, their next trip, um, with them, uh, Anyone that saw them come through the curtain and were lucky enough to be in the ring, waiting to be their opponents, experience something that you probably will never experience again. Uh, they were special. You know, they were good human beings, and uh, they're going to be missed. And um, I think they were both taken way, way too soon. Yeah, it's a shame that... Uh... We, we say that so often with professional wrestlers, let's, uh, let's try to talk about something a little happier. Mayhem wants to know Jim Cornette made a comment that Bobby Eaton's two-year-old daughter crashed his car into yours. Do you remember this? Yeah, I think it was out in the driveway. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to get mad at a two-year-old. <laughs> Especially if I drag them out of the car and they kick my ass, how am I going to explain that? <laughs> really no upside to getting upset about that. I think it was one of those deals that she just got in and just, uh, I was parked probably in front of Bobby's car. I think she just popped it out of gear and it was one of those roll collisions. Uh, don't remember exactly, but I'm sure it happened. Shane has another interesting question for us. He says, if Arn had never become an Anderson, what name, look, and gimmick did he envision for his career? Of course, we know you started as Marty Lundy. Also a tangent question. Does your son want to be an Anderson when he breaks in? Um, I think, you know, I was open-ended on anything that would just get me in. I, I'd really never given any thought about you know, what, what my name would be or anything like that, or if I was going to be able to be me. And when you're learning the business and you really want to get in as bad as I did and just be a part of it, you don't really think in terms of those, those type things until someone makes you something, whether it's wrestling two made, you know, wrestling one or wrestling one made wrestling two or however that went. You know, or you become an Anderson, you know, when you're following the legacy of Gene and Ole Anderson, it's a, it is a honor and a privilege to be part of that lineage and it be signed off on not only by Ole, but created by Ole, um, with a little help and prompting from JYD, uh, which was his idea. So it was a co-op program there. Uh, once you're an Anderson, I think you become, it's like becoming a, you know, uh, a stalwart of the, of the industry. You're like one of the cornerstones and expectations on you are huge. Uh, you have to keep up the memories of Gene and Ole and what they brought to the wrestling industry, two, two tough son of a bitches, credible teammates. Uh, and they went through an era 
of uh, wrestling brothers like, you know, the Anderson brothers versus the Briscoes and and the Funks and, and all these different opponents they had and the wars they went through. To be a uh, member of that family, I had an obligation to maintain uh, a certain quality of performance. And uh, my son now, as he comes into the business, if this all works out, he's still in the early stages of training. Uh, I don't think he could be anything but an Anderson, and it would be a badge of courage and one of respect. And he already has the respect for the business that uh, I would want anyone that I was helping along to have. And uh, he knows what's going to be expected of him. And being an Anderson is not an easy thing, but it's probably the best thing you can be in this business if you check the history books. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself, guys. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or even death. In 2018, nearly 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride sharing services too. Cops are on the lookout and riding tickets. So why take the risk? Seatbelts save lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip day or night, click it or ticket. Fantasy booking question here. How would you structure or a finish for a war games match between the horseman and DX with China on the outside? You know, that's sort of an interesting thing to fantasy book because lots of people have brought in their own version of war games. And we know historically, uh, the heels are going to win the coin toss and Arn's going in first. Is there another rule of thumb to booking a war games that you could share with us? I mean, we can forget the DX part of the fantasy question. I'm just wondering about the, the sort of go-tos and the staples that maybe we fans didn't recognize that you just thought was sort of obvious. Well, we just happened on a formula the first time going in, you know, I was the, I was the youngest guy on the team. You know, I was the guy that was trying to, to create a legacy for myself and I didn't mind working my ass off. Uh, and I was, I guess I probably wore it on my sleeve, but man, I was thrilled to be there and to be in that mix of guys, I was floating on air and I couldn't wait to get in that cage. Um, so it turned out that I started and it was just, I knew my role. I knew I had to get those people in a brand new match under brand new circumstances, get them invested right away. And, uh, and I figured out some things to do and to, to make that double cage special as far as trying to escape from one side to the other and, and catch a guy coming through the ropes to try to turn the advantage around. It just happened to work. So we just stuck with that formula, any combination of, of, uh, good workers who are willing to, 
bust their ass right out of the get-go, you could have that order any way that, that you wanted to organize it. If it was going to be DX uh, with China, I would just make one thing for damn sure. She never made it in that cage. <laughs> Getting your ass handed to you by that behemoth and nowhere to escape is not my idea of a good evening. You know, we talk about the, the war game structure. Another one that's a, a famous gimmick match that everybody loves. This one comes to us from big extra. Hey, Aaron, have you ever been the agent for a Royal rumble match? If so, what goes into laying out the rumble match itself? And what are the agents roles for that match? Well, an hour is a long time to watch a match and people feeding down. You got to be careful that, uh, you separate your surprises from your superstars and you're, you're going to have your day-to-day talent that need to be in there too, uh, that have earned the right to be in the rumble. Certainly the prize, the main event of WrestleMania makes everybody that comes through the curtain special, because it could literally be anybody. And the key is not to have the ring too full at, at any one time, figure out what four or five guys you're going to feature and come up with something and scatter it through the, through that match to where you have some really big explosions and a roller coaster ride where you really feature some talent and some eliminations because, you know, eliminations at the Royal rumble, I think Kane, uh, had the record or it might've moved on to someone else, but I think he had it for a long time. You know, that that's something you walk away with if you don't win the match, but you had, nine eliminations or something, you know, it's something you can hang your hat on going forward. Another question here. Uh, hey, Aaron, what are your thoughts on using time limits in pro wrestling? It seems like WWE never uses time limits, but AEW does use time limits. And I personally like them and think they add drama to the match. If used properly. I mean, I think everybody listening to this probably agrees with that. Aaron, do you think that Vince just feels like that's sort of antiquated. Maybe Kevin Dunn doesn't like it. Why don't you think WWE uses time limits? It feels like it was a big part of wrestling for a long time, but slowly, but surely perhaps WWE has, uh, gotten rid of it. Well, because for the longest time, the actual match was the least thing considered. Well, you're going to put time limits on what are you going to have a six minute time limit? You know, it's the time that is devoted to the actual matches is the last thing considered. And someone did a survey. I remember hearing that, you know, okay, six minutes is most audience members focus. They can't, they can't watch for longer than six minutes. Well, they can, if you give them something good and something that'll hook them because six minutes, really less entrances is four minutes, less exit is two minutes. Not much storytelling you can do in that. But you have to include every bit of that in the time. So, um, you know, the main thing is having enough time. And then once you have enough time to get invested in the match and realize that you've got a 15 or 20 minute time limit and you go 12 or 14 or 16 or, or 18 minutes or, you know, as we saw with uh, Orange and, and Cody, those guys went 19 minutes and 58 seconds or something. And there was one second away from there being a fall and that's drama in anybody's book. It was so close. 
literally one second determined, you know, if there was going to be a resolution to that match. So it can be really, really good if, if you, like the guy said, feature it and treat it right. Ken wants to know if you could gift the spine buster to someone much like Ric Flair gifted the figure four to Miz, <laughs> who would it be? <laughs> Probably going to have to be my kid. I would think I don't see any way around it. Do you <laughs> No, if you gave it to somebody else, dinner is going to suck for about a month. He's not going to look at you, make conversation, eye contact, none of that. Well, a lot of people do, do use it today. But I think our fans, and this why I love our wrestling fans so much, they're smart enough, they're they're perceptive enough that you can see three spine busters during the course of the night. But the occasional time I break one out, they go, "Oh, that's an Arn Anderson spine buster." It may not be as good as the three they've seen before, not nearly as good. I'm I'm getting you know up there a little long in the tooth these days, but. It also is something that they identify with me first. It's still mine. And uh, when you have something like that, that you can, uh, and I think Brock is going to be, they're going to expect him to do that and not only do it, do it better than I did it. Ken has a fun follow-up question. If he could spine buster one of Conrad's co-hosts on the podcast, who would it be? And why is it Bruce? Not Bruce. It'd probably be Eric, wouldn't it? No, not really. Oh, why would it be Eric? Why why would it be Eric? I don't know. It just feels like he's the natural heel of the bunch. You're not gonna spine buster Tony Shivani again, are you? Again? Well, I assume that you, you put him in the tub or something. He's told stories on the old uh What Happened When podcast that he just thought it was the coolest thing ever to go out drinking with the horseman way back in the heyday and Apparently he got locked out of the house and threw up in the tub and woke up with Barry Wyndham's fried jalapenos from Whataburger in his hair. He had some rowdy <laughs> days with y'all. And I just assume somewhere along the way, he called a spine buster or two. I listen, because Barry did that to Tony does not mean that I also assaulted Tony, which would mean that it was still cherry. And why wouldn't I want to spine buster Tony? I've never done it. Okay. Unless, of course, you know, Tony does eat well. Tony is a little pudgy like myself. He's not, he's not the body guy he used to be. If he blew my back out on the way up and he landed on top of me, it's kind of like the China thing. That's going to end so badly. And I've got to put Tony over. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. Instagram, a wrestling historian wants to know what's your favorite Andre, the giant story. Oh gosh. Andre, the giant. Well, we've just, you know, I've, I've told on this broadcast before just stories about, you know, the guy is incredible drinking, uh, feats, you know, were, were legendary. But the fact is, you know, for the most part, Andre was had a heart of gold. And, uh, you know, he would, 
he would, for the guys that were respectful and he would kind of keep an eye out for guys that he thought weren't respectful, but you know, he would be the first one. Hey boss. Hello boss. Guys would be in the, in the lounge drinking or the, you know, the hotel bar drinking Andre would be the first one to pick up the tab and, and things of that nature. Uh, he did suffer with some terrible back, you know, during the period that I was wrestling up there, 88, 89. And, uh, he was going through a lot of pain and you could just tell that he wasn't comfortable anywhere, but he still managed to make all the towns, all of his obligations. And when he was in the town, the house was up and we all made more money and that was not lost on the professionals that were in the room. Because when the guy would have to drink four, four or five bottles of wine just to be able to go to the ring, you know, it wasn't this guy was just a drunk. It was this guy was medicating himself to fulfill his obligations. And I looked at that as a professionalism that was uh, few and far between. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Here's an interesting question. I never really thought about from Owen. He says, if Vince came up with the NWO idea, do you think he could have done it bigger and better than Eric? I don't think so. I don't either. I think it, I don't think so. Uh, it was done <laughs> to capacity crowds. So you don't get any better than, uh, full houses. And, uh, it was one of those things that was kept close to the vest. Nobody knew about it. And it was just, it was one, there are very few things where it's like Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. A lot of people thought, well, he will finish his career with the Patriots. He won't ever go anywhere. But when he did, it wasn't like your teeth fell out. You got it. You understood, you know, he wanted to they were, it was time to make a change and he wasn't through playing and he had earned that. And so he made a change, but it, it was a little shocking when Hogan turned NWO, it was a shot heard around the business Yeah, and it would had no magnitude of anything else that happened prior to that had any, it wasn't even remotely on the radar screen to what that did to the business. This is an interesting one. We haven't talked about this guy and I'm not sure exactly why Shane wants to know, do you have any thoughts or stories you can share with us about Shane Douglas, either his career or the man 
he worked with Shane a few different times, but, uh, he had probably his most success in ECW at a time when you weren't there. Uh, and maybe by the time he does come over to WCW, WCW's on the decline, but once upon a time, a lot of people thought myself included, he was going to be one of the tippy top guys in the business. And it just didn't happen that way. At least not for very long. Any, any stories about Shane you can share with us? Well, uh, I worked with Shane when he was a pure baby face and him and Johnny were dudes with attitudes. And, uh, uh, the fact was he, as a pure baby face, he had a lot of wrestling skills, you know, young, handsome kid had a lot of skills. And for, for a, a war horse heel like myself to be able to work with him, I mean, we had very, very good matches. They were wrestling themed matches. It was, you know, the story was very simple. He was a better wrestler. I didn't mind biting, biting his nose off to get the advantage. It was a very simple theme with us. And, uh, I got to work with him a few times. And then when he left and, uh, he went to EC, uh, he really got his push and, uh, you know, got elevated and was like the face of that company. And, had some huge success for himself. And, and I'm always one of the guys that are, that are happy to see a guy do well in this business. There's enough spots to go around that if you really have talent and something to offer the business, that there's a spot for you. And, uh, you know, Shane had a good career. Uh, when you go to WWF at the time, a lot of politics, a lot of head games. It's hard to navigate that. And I know he had some issues with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, always enjoy seeing him wherever it is. We never had a crossword, always have a nice conversation, nothing but respect for, for him. Les Freeman wants to know, do you think you could have done well with Jerry Stubbs as you did with Tully? Had he gone with you to WCW? I uh, loved working with you and Stubbs and Continental. So I guess Les Freeman is a, an old school guy from way back like yourself. We haven't talked a lot about Jerry Stubbs. What do you think that would have looked like had he came along with you? He was one of those that it was really sad that he did not want to venture out. His whole thing, I mean, if you find pictures of Jerry Stubbs, he had a beautiful little home there and, Pensacola down in Gulf Breeze. Um, guy looked like a million dollars. He was tanned. He was jacked. Most importantly, he was a very accomplished worker. Very accomplished. And he wrestled under a hood for a long time. And he had really good-looking gear, good-looking hoods. Mr. Olympia was his gimmick. But he just wanted to stay between Pensacola and and Bill Watts territory, which was Louisiana, a couple states over. I think he went probably to, to Memphis some, but he didn't want to venture out. He didn't want to move. His wife had a good job with the with Island Authority down there. His kids were in school. That was home. And anybody that knows anything about Pensacola Gulf Breeze, it's heaven, you know. And if it weren't for the continual hurricanes blowing through there, over the years, I'm sure I would have ended up on the beach living there because it's just, and my wife, you know, Aaron's from there. The whole thing is a lot of reasons to live there, but he didn't want to 
bunch. And, uh, but the fact is we made a really good team. I learned a lot from him as far as, you know, tag matches and, and all that. I think the horseman thing is bigger than just any set of circumstances. I think it was destiny. And I think it was destiny for all of us involved. It's destiny for the business. I, I think it was as hot that horseman deal with the Crockett days as anything has been comparably, arguably. Uh, I don't think Jerry would have fit into that promo set of guys because Tully was just, he was a heel's heel and he had a perfect spot and fit that position perfectly. And, you know, all the pieces, you know, came together and it was, it was just destiny. And uh, would Jerry have made a great partner going forward for how many years? Of course he would have. I don't know that he would have fit in the horseman. That's just, it's a very select group. You know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the Tully thing too, because you and I've had, you know, private text message conversations this year, but, and there's been multiple times just this calendar year, 2020, where Tully Blanchard has cut a promo, whether it was online or on TV. I mean, it's goosebump city. And this is a guy who was away from the business for a long, long time. It's really hard to imagine anyone besides him cutting those promos, especially when you see that that's a skill that he still possesses to this day. Uh, it's, it's rare that you can watch a promo in wrestling in 2020 and, and, and feel it, especially if you've watched as much wrestling as most of the folks listening to this show have, but man, Tully just had it in a way that was really special, right? Well, he's not cutting a promo. He's telling you how he feels. Every accomplished superstar in this business that has done well, it's just, it's him talking to you or it's her talking to you, but they're expressing themselves in a, just a little bit of a, uh, elevated character, but it's, it's him talking to you. That's Tully Blanchard. That's who he is. That's why it tests, you know, the test of time it has prevailed because what he was saying in the late eighties in Crockett, he says now. And it still resonates with people because they believe him. Let's, uh, let's switch gears and let's talk about, well, psychology. The Rosen coaster says with the exception of the renegade, who in your opinion was the most challenging to work with from an in-ring psychology standpoint. Let me just break that down uh, a little differently. Maybe who was more like, uh, oil and water with you. Besides renegade, is there another talent that perhaps they had great matches and did great work with a lot of other guys, but for whatever reason, your chemistry with them was just off. Uh, not really. I mean, there was, I had a lot of bad matches. I had some stinkers and I, I can't actually you know, put my finger on, on the, the real bad ones, had some group, some good ones, had, had a few great ones. Um, I would say probably PN news. If you recall him was a little difficult to work with big guy, 
probably 400 pounds. That whole yo baby, yo baby, yo thing. It's kind of hard for me to get a grasp on that. Less, less work around it. Um, but no one, I mean, nothing is like, it just comes to mind. Hey, God, I just hated that. Uh, I tried to make the best out of, I could of everybody I worked with pull something from the match that you could look at in a positive light. You guys might've heard about the mobile game called eighties mania wrestling returns. It's a pro wrestling general manager game. You can play on your Apple or Android device. And the premise is simple. You collect cards for wrestlers, managers, match types, and more. The better shows you book, the more in-game cash you'll earn to collect more cards. There's all sorts of secret unlockable rewards in the game too. Team up the right wrestlers and you'll unlock their tag team cards. Match certain wrestlers against each other and you'll unlock their feud card. The universe of characters in this game is awesome too. Considering the game is set in the eighties and nineties, also known as the two greatest decades in the history of pop culture and pro wrestling. Eighties Mani wrestling return is free to play and the developers are constantly updating the game with new characters and new features. And did you know that there's a second game like this called modern mania wrestling? Now this one is based on the current world of pro wrestling and has a whole new cast of characters and lots of cool new features too. Just search for 80s Mania Wrestling Returns or Modern Mania Wrestling in the App Store or Google Play Store. Now, once you've played through the in-game tutorial, head over to the settings screen and enter the cheat code CONRAD, C-O-N-R-A-D, to unlock a bunch of wrestler cards and game cash. The cheat code works for both games. Wrestling fans, pop culture fans, check these games out. You won't regret it. Modern Mania Wrestling and 80s Mania Wrestling Returns. Robert Smith wants to know, can you tell a good Larry Zabisco story? Mostly just so we can hear your impersonation of him again. I think that's become like everybody's favorite. You talking as Larry, uh, do, do you have any more fun Larry stories you can bless us with today? Let's see. Uh, maybe he's traveling together, maybe going to dinner together on a plane in a hotel bar, anything like that. Well, there was one time, and this would probably just be a two-part story, but it was one time we got into the town, Larry and I were riding together. Okay, Larry, you want to go to the gym tomorrow morning? Oh, yes, of course I are. Got to go to the gym. Got to train the tits. He called chess day training the tits. <laughs> yes, got to train the tits. Maybe, maybe 365 tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. So what time you want to meet Larry? Okay. Nine o'clock. All right. Fine. Nine 30, whatever it is. Nine o'clock. So we get in the car, we go, go to the gym. We walk in. Guy knows who we are, but there's $10 workout fee. Oh, are come on. You're not going to pay that. Are you looks at the guys? Hey, we don't, we just want to work out. We don't want to rent the place for a month. The guy's looking at Larry. He's looking at me. I went, Larry, don't, don't sweat it. You know, just pay the 10 bucks. Oh, I'll be in the car. Larry went and sat in the car for an hour and a half while I worked out because he was too tight to spend the 10 bucks. Now it brings us to match time. We're on the, we're working the match. I'm in the ring, uh, bouncing around for whoever it would have been. 
all of a sudden they're chanting, Larry sucks, Larry sucks. So I'm looking over him, looking over at him. <laughs> I'm going, are you going to get in here and do anything? Oh, Arn, listen, they're chanting, Larry sucks. Larry, I said, Larry, they mean it. <laughs> he says, oh, Arn, I'm getting heat. I said, yeah, it's with me and the baby faces. My goodness. Ryan wants to know in previous episodes, you mentioned how it was a big locker room. No, no. If another person smelled bad, the ring from not properly washing their trunks. Boy, I can't believe this is a question I'm about to ask. Has anyone ever accidentally farted in a match? <laughs> of course they have. That has to have happened. <laughs> I guess the question is, do you have any funny fart stories that happened in a match? I mean, there's no chance that a guy's been hanging out, living life all day. And then he's going to take a body slam and a little squeaker doesn't come out. Of course it happens. Well, I'm sure there's been squat, you know, squeezed out on purpose, just <laughs> walking around. I'm sure they weren't accidental, <laughs> but being the fact that, that I was, I was hoping to get the audience involved and have them making some noise. I couldn't hear. <laughs> A baby pooped. <laughs> I don't maybe know. Maybe that's on. Maybe that's on me. I wasn't listening for it. Well, you hopefully uh, you didn't smell it. But my, you know, here's what's funny to me. We've got one of the greatest minds in the history of professional wrestling. And you know what we want to ask? Hey, what type of cheese do you like on your burger? Anybody ever fart? <laughs> you know what? I'm getting dumbed down <laughs> weekly. I don't know why that tickles me. Oh, it does. <laughs> Sean Chapman wants to know thoughts on how misused Brett was when WCW signed him. Seems like it was a big opportunity to draw money and keep beating the WWE. In my view, um, it's hard to imagine really Arn, that you had a, a hotter piece of talent than Bret Hart. I mean, he was the biggest heel in the business in November of 1997. And then when he comes over, it just didn't work. Do you think that was more on creative and Eric Bischoff, perhaps just fumbling with Brett was, I mean, was Brett not ready to work the WCW style? Was he disillusioned with the business? Was he uh, un unhappy with, with his lot in life at the time? What can you tell us? Why do you think in your opinion, just your opinion, why didn't Brett and WCW become a bigger hit? You know, and people, this is not my way of copping out. When I tell you this, it, it's God's truth. There were so many meetings that involved that top tier stuff. Now, you know, like Bret Hart and him coming over and we heard all these huge amounts of, of money that, that he was making, which I could care less about any of that. You know, my only concern was, you know, okay, how are you going to use him? What do you want me to do to help? If anything, it was all behind closed doors. It was so above my pay grade. I had no idea. I didn't know what was going to go down until the guys got in the ring. And, and I don't think the thing got started the whole angle effectively. I think he got hurt pretty quickly. Uh, and I just think a lot of things just caved in everywhere that were unexpected and maybe just, I was just like a fan on the outside looking in, you know, uh, 
it, uh, I don't know what happened there. You would have thought it would have been an easy fit walking, walking across. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know. It's one of those things in history that everybody will have a slant on that tells the story. I have no idea what happened on that deal. Let's, uh, let's switch gears here a little bit and let's talk about uh, reading. Are you much of a reader? And if so, what do you like to read? I bring this up because we've, uh, we've talked to some of my other co-hosts about what they like to read. And interestingly enough, Bruce Pritchard likes to read a lot of biographies, but he also reads a lot of books about serial killers, I guess, for ideas for angles and whatnot. Uh, we know that Eric is reading a lot of business style books. We know that Tony Schiavone's reading fucking Batman comics. What does Arn Anderson read? USA paper. I can get a summary of the world and everything that's important in it. Now it's really been cut down to just a few pages. And I know, I don't think anybody, you don't see anybody reading a newspaper anymore. You know, they're mostly looking at it on their, their phone on their, yeah, I just, I prefer a news, you know, I prefer reading the newspaper and, and you can get everything that's important that you need to know. It's kind of like David Muir at six thirty Eastern. You get not political slants. You just get the news. That's all I want. I don't care about politics, you know, by and large and, and things like that. What's going on in, in the rotten entertainment world, things that aren't entertaining. I just want to know what's the state of the world. So I can usually find that in a USA paper. Robert wants to know in your time of being an agent in the WWE, what was your favorite tag match you saw? And what was your favorite match that you helped put together? two-part question there to unpack. I know you've referenced, uh, some tremendous matches that you saw with, I think it was the re revival and, and they were taking on, um, uh, Bobby Roode yes. and, uh, yeah. And Gable, but that was, that was not televised, right? That was a house. That was a European tour. Maybe house shows yeah. live, yeah, live events in the States. What about, uh, actual stuff that we could go back and look up, whether it was raw or SmackDown or, or pay-per-views does a tag match stand out to you in particular? I hate to put you on the spot. I know with proper time, you could probably make a list, but right off the cuff, does one come to mind? Uh, there was a, uh, yeah, it was, uh, Randy and edge Cena and, and, uh, Shawn Michaels. How's it going way back there. They tore the joint down. They literally did. They had enough time. Randy and edge were, were fantastic heel team. Cena sold, gave Sean the tag. And as you know, how it went from there, it just got better and better. And, uh, they had enough time. It was, it was incredible. This episode is brought to you by blue chew proud to have them as a sponsor and we're proud to tell you how you can get a performance enhancement for the bedroom you know back in the days they used to advertise horseman vitamins on jim crockett's tv this is the real deal right here my friend if you're really looking to level up your performance and get that extra confidence in bed listen up it's bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue blue chew is bringing you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients you'd find in Viagra or Cialis. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. We're talking real spine busters, y'all. 
If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to level up your performance. As a reminder, Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. No awkwardness, and you don't have to leave the house. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code ARN, A-R-N. You'll just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, and the promo code is ARN try it for free blue chew is the better cheaper choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast and remember when you support our sponsors you help make this podcast possible so please be sure to use the promo code arn at bluechew.com Arn, i don't know if you've you've seen but uh we've just debuted a new series on adfreeshows.com it's called x-ray with dr tom and what we've got tom doing is going back and watching one classic match from wrestling history and he's breaking down exactly what they were doing and why they were doing it. Uh, the idea being we, as fans, we all have our favorite matches, but what we don't know is why was it our favorite? So to get to pick the brain of one of the most prolific trainers ever, I mean, the guy who trained Kurt angle, the guy who trained the rock, hell, the guy who trained Vince McMahon and his sort don't, of don't, don't, don't hold that against him. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm just saying Vince could have literally called anyone and said, Hey, teach me a few things. And. He, he picked Dr. Tom. So he's in great company there and to sort of break down the psychology of a match and the mechanics of a match and learn how match structure works and all of that stuff. Tom Pritchard is probably one of the, uh, the short list guys you'd want to go to for that type of stuff. Right? Yeah. And everybody that's trained under him, that whole group, you know, from Bray Wyatt to Slater to, to Henning, that, that whole generation of guys that, that trained under Tom and they have nothing but admiration for the guy and respect. And they all say, I love Dr. Tom. Dr. Tom is the man. And, uh, it's a video series at adfreeshows.com. Now let's keep it moving here. Another question from, uh, CJ Smith. He says, when mentioning the greatest wrestlers to never win the big one in WWE, WCW or NWA, people always mention Piper yourself and others. Mine would be the great Muda. Seems like they blew a major chance with him. What are your thoughts on him being one of the best to never hold the big belt? Yeah. Muda was excellent. He was smooth. It was, I used to say it was like working with uh, Japanese Ricky steamboat. He was, he was, he was excellent. And, uh, you know, there was communication issues, you know, you didn't, you just didn't say anything. You just, that's what made him so good. You would just attack something and he would counter it or try to, or sell it for you or, or what whatever you, whatever needed to be done because you couldn't, you know, there was no talking beforehand, during or after he just, uh, you know, and the guy was very, very talented. He had a lot of skills and he had a good look, you know, what a handsome guy he was when he was young, you know, on the paint and the whole deal. And, uh, of course the mist was always a nice attraction. You know, he, he was pretty much the whole package. Uh, here's a fun one. Can Arn discuss the night he and Paul Roma beat Austin and Regal at Clash in August of 93? Also, was there ever any idea for a new fourth horseman in the Arn Flair Roma era since Oli was pretty much on the sidelines? That's an interesting question. Do you think 
another guy was being considered in that era that for whatever reason, just didn't happen. Uh, I don't think so. I think they were just patching, patching holes. You know, Paul got a bad deal. He was, you know, kind of tossed into that group when, when Tully caved in, that was the sequence of event, the negotiations, uh, caved in. And so they had to have somebody They had promised somebody. And, you know, I think Roma had made, uh, you know, preparations to come on board. They said, well, Hey, you know, he's got some good TV time behind him. He's looks like a million bucks. Let's insert him in that spot. Um, I don't think there was any plans after that. I think it filled a void uh, because Ole, I think, was still working, wasn't he? Some managing yeah. something. Yep. So the numbers still shook out to be okay, but uh, I never heard any conversation about going ahead and putting a fourth guy in there. Let's uh, let's do another question here, and this is an interesting one just because I don't think we've talked about it before. David K wants to know, do you have any stories from the Rock and Roll Express Summer Sizzler Tour? I think that was 86, right? And I think the theory was at the time, Arn, you had two touring brands for Jim Crockett Promotions. In this era, the WWF had, I believe, three sets of groups. They ran an A-Town, a B-Town, and a C-Town. And Bruce would say, well, those C towns are usually fundraisers and high school gyms, but you did have a and B. And so maybe Hogan's on top on one show, the intercontinental champion is on top on the other show. Well, in this era of Crockett, I think it was like flair and dusty on one and the rock and roll express on the other. That's pretty rarefied air. When you've got a tag team act headlining a whole tour and they called it the rock and roll express summer sizzler tour. Any memories from uh, that tour with them in 86? Well, the specifics, I think, go like this. We were pounding those bashes big time, and really the travel schedule was brutal. A lot of war games, a lot of, of, uh, you know, cage matches, long matches, big shows, but, but a lot of travel involved too. And there was a break there. They wanted to actually give the guys a break. And uh, so they had a date determined, and they had like five or six days, I want to say six days, that uh, that they were going to run like a, it was going to be what they considered a, a, a B show. And, you know, let those guys that, that weren't on the bashes get a payday. They had a single main event, which was me and Ole against the rock and roll. And it was towns that were drivable around Charlotte, you know, the Florence and some of those towns, you know, smaller towns, I think Savannah and some of those, um, say Sumter, South Carolina. I mean, incredible. But the thing was rock and roll express was as hot as anybody we had. Ole and I had some pretty good steam on us too. So they said, Hey, do you guys want to work, make a payday, let these other guys make a payday. We'll call it the summer sizzler tour of the rock and roll. We'll feature it. We'll have them on a bus or whatever their end of it was. Well, thing was the semi main event was like black Bart and Jimmy Valiant. No disrespect to any of those guys, but there was a, it was 
built as a single main event. It was publicized as a single main event and the payoffs were to a single main event. And I'm going to tell you for those six days, or it could have even been seven while the other guys were off and recharging and recouping. I was scooting around the Carolinas to one of the biggest weeks I'd ever had in the business because rock and roll was on fire. Henry Marcus, who was the promoter for Florence, was an outdoor show, stands, really no way to count all the heads because they were selling standing room only and all that. They turned in 44 grand, which meant it was probably 70 grand. Henry Marcus's ankles got thicker as the night went by, stuffing those 20s in there. Uh, and, buddy, we had what turned out to be a tremendous week. So when it was all said and done, I didn't get the rest. The trips were not bad. It was fun. It was a piece of cake. We made a nice chunk of change. I love talking about the good old days like that. Um, loved it. Loved it. Brandon wants to know, is there any truth to the rumor that there were at least talks of beautiful Bobby and sweet Stan becoming horsemen and Jim Cornette stepping into the JJ Dillon role. I think this has been briefly discussed or hinted at once upon a time that this could have been something that was going to happen. But then of course, well, everything fell apart with, uh, with the midnight express and, and they were out of there. That would have been something else. I, I think they would have fit in great with you guys. Don't you? Well, it could have been interesting. You know, uh, certainly just from a historical, you know, point, it could have been, it could have been very, very interesting. Yeah. It, uh, it wasn't something that was on the front burner, but it was something that was talked about. Uh, you know, I would hear rumors about what it was being talked about. So, you know, Hey, I would have been great with it. You know, I was one of those guys that if it, you know, give me some guys to work with, it can go. And that's all I care about. And to have those guys as a, you know, part of a unit would have been very interesting. Marcus D'Angelo has an interesting question. Probably one you've never been asked before. Curious as to how Arn would have reacted if Vince had pitched him the gold dust character. If Vince was adamant that he wanted to see Arn Anderson become gold dust, would Arn have tried it? Four words. What does that pay? <laughs> I love you for that. Cause that's the right answer, right? I mean, goodness. It's the wrestling business. It's the only answer. That is so tremendous. I, he's going to give me this wild ass character. If we agreed, he was going to make me some money and it would have had a little bit, a little firmer than, than the first handshake deal that I, we agreed upon brother. I'd have been fine with anything. Well, I don't know that we'll beat that one. We probably ought to put a bow on this episode for hashtag ask anything, but I do want to ask you guys listening right now. Can you go tag us right now on social media with your favorite Photoshop of Arn Anderson's face and the gold dust character? I need to see him with that wig and the bodysuit. We need this in our lives. And I didn't know I needed it until I heard Arn's answer, but uh, hopefully Ryan was listening and we have a new shirt up right now at orange that says, what does that pay? 
because this has been a fun episode. I can't wait to do it again. We'll be back next week with another more WWE style show. We're going to do survivor series, 2010. That was an interesting show to say the least. I'm looking forward to breaking that down, but I had such fun today and I'm really looking forward to two weeks from now. We do another hashtag ask Arn anything next week. We're going to be talking Randy Orton and Wade Barrett. We're going to be talking Nexus taking on, uh, Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov Kane and edge Natty working with Lay cool team Mysterio taking on team Del Rio Dolph Ziggler working with Caval. Yeah. That's a name you didn't think you'd hear on the show. John Morrison working with Seamus and Daniel Bryan working with Ted DiBiase. It's an interesting time. WWE in 2010, it feels like way more than 10 years ago. So stay tuned next week. Survivor series, 2010 coming your way. Don't forget. You get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. If you've got a question about survivor series, 2010, or uh, the following weeks, ask Arn anything, ask it right now over at the Arn show. Until next time, he is at the Yarn Show. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you right here next Tuesday for Arn. Attention, Arn Show fans. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for your exclusive chance to get a sneak peek of our upcoming episodes and some other bonus content you can't find anywhere else. But perhaps best of all, we've even got a lot of giveaways coming your way. It's all available right now for free. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button over at youtube.com forward slash the Arn show. And be sure to check out the shirts over at arnshirts.com. There are classic designs along with the inside jokes from the show, plus tons of gimmicks over at boxofgimmicks.com. Like now we offer kid and youth sizes in both shirts and hoodies. Both you and your kid can match by our representing double a enforcer. There's lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the Arn community. So one more time, check it out. Hit the subscribe button and the like button right now over at youtube.com forward slash the Arn show. And don't forget to check out all the swag over at boxofgimmicks.com and arnshirts.com. And if you're an advertiser who would like to hear Arn Anderson brag about your business here on the show, it's easy. Just go to advertisewithconrad.com right now. I'd be glad you did. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 3198 real jewelry. Doesn't have to be expensive plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com.
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.